Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Well, we are rocking and rolling in our musical chairs series, and so um, we are in the fourth part of this, and the whole concept um, behind our, the, the musical chairs is that um, life can feel like that a lot of times, that you know that there's just not quite enough resources to go around. When your elementary teacher said, okay, we're playing musical chairs, you know, she's Counted the students, set out enough chairs for everybody but one future loser and started the game. And we, the whole game was to reveal who the loser was. Everybody was going to scrounge and fight for their spot, fight for their seat. And one person was left with no place to rest. And then the whole process started over again till everybody's picked off one by one and there's one winner. At the end of this thing, the truth is, is that we find in life that that's not really the way that it works. You can't just finally claw your way to the top and that everything be okay and you're the lone survivor. Um, that, in, that the only place we find true rest and peace is in Christ. But life can just feel like this continual mad dash to just take care of ourselves, to make sure we have what we need. And that is not what God created us for. If we go back into Genesis and we see where, where God breathed life into the creation of man for the very first time, everything was provided for. There was nothing for Adam to have to go out and to fight for on his own. Everything was taken care of. And he was just going to live in relationship with, with God. And then, and then God created Eve and, and they had everything they needed and they didn't have to go out and fight. And we were created to live in a place of God's provision and God's rest and in relationship with God. That is where we were built for. Sin comes in, our willfulness comes in, and, and then all of a sudden everything goes off the rails. And what God has done in Christ has brought us back to a place of original design where we can live in him in a place of rest and not this continual striving to take care of ourselves. Let's look again at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and this has kind of been our launching point in this because this is that, this is that picture. Jesus sees us toiling and, and going after and trying to take care of ourselves, and, and he speaks and he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's like you're not going to find the same thing just in a different Source. You're not going to come over here and exit this game and come into a new struggle to try to win this brand new set of this brand new set of rules, this brand new game. No, this is something completely different. It's gonna you're gonna find rest. You're gonna find this place of peace, and that's what he has designed us for. But we have to be willing to come over and exit that system where we take our skills and everything we can bring to the table and try to scrounge for ourselves and rest in a new place. We have to be willing to do that. 
And so if we've been doing that, what it means to really be in Christ, we come to the, to the truth that understanding our position in Christ completely determines how we interact with God. If you don't fully understand who you are in Christ, you're going to interact with God wrong. Now, praise God. If we interact with God, he'll, he'll meet us there and he'll teach us and he'll coach us. But the whole thing is, is to get us to respond based on a position of already being in Christ. We feel like we are, that this whole religion game is still trying to claw our way into right standing with God. Still trying to make our own position. It's not, it's been made for us. We have reserved seating. It's already been accomplished. Your name's on it. You have a reserved spot in Christ. It's already been done. And so today's message is reserved seating. See, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, Abram, the father of our faith, his name is not Abraham yet. And uh, the Lord comes to him in a vision, and God begins to connect with him, okay? And this isn't Abraham's first moment. We had Genesis 12 as a, a significant moment. But here in Genesis chapter 15, we have this. And it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Wanting this thing that you're desiring, it's me. It's me. I am your reward. See, God is not just the rewarder. He is the reward. He is the reward. This is about relationship. That's why at Celebration Church, we talk all the time about knowing God better and trusting him more because everything we need is found in him. He is the reward. And he introduces himself and makes sure that the father of our faith, Abram, understood that that's what it was about. It's that he is the reward. See, in Christ, our, our father, as our father, in, in that he, there, we have benefits of being his children. I understand that there's this place, that there's this struggle to feel like that it's a little bit of a mercenary thing to pursue God and, have, and that there's this idea that there's these benefits. And so, and that somehow in our place of humility, we're like, I don't, I, I'm not so interested in God's benefits and, and, and I don't want to, I, you know, I just, rec I recognize that, you know, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner saved by grace and, I, and I'm just thankful for that and I'm just good with that. Um, and you know what? You know what? Praise God. Praise God that we were sinners. We, those who've placed our faith in Christ, we have been saved by grace, but that is not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. That's just the very beginning of this process. And we are his children. And he wants us to be identified as his children. You know, I, we've got, cutie and I, we've got a lot of kids. We've got seven kids. And we like having the Clark kids, the Clark crew. You know what? And if somebody was to come up to them and say, hey, you know, uh, what's it, you know how is it to be a Clark kid? Well, I'm just a fertilized egg brought into this world by delivery. I don't really identify as being a being Clark, you know, I'm just just kind of came about. What? 
No, this totally missing the point that they're a part of our family. They're a Clark. There's some benefits. There's this connection. We, I believe it breaks God's heart when we identify ourselves first and foremost as a sinner saved by grace instead of as a child of God. He saved us so we could be his children when we downplay when we downplay our right standing of who we are in Christ, our position in Christ, I believe we're breaking God's heart. Praise God. Praise God that we have this place of, of, our, of being sinners. And we were, we were sinners and we have been saved by grace, but we have become, been made so much more than that. We've been made so much more. See, there's this concept, and this thing kind of helps me to, to wrap my mind around um, this a little bit. And so let, let's take uh, Paul, okay? Um, Paul got shipwrecked a few times, and, and his testimony, he says that he spent a night and a day in the sea, okay? And so at some point, he floats up along some, the, some beach, or he gets pulled out, okay? So let's say we're in Paul's position. We're a night and a day in the sea, okay? We're just bobbing around in the ocean, okay? And we're needing to be saved. We need somebody to come along and to yank us up out of impending death. We can't stay in that position forever. We need somebody to come up. So we're bobbing along out in the ocean, and then this nice big cruise liner comes along, you know? And now under this, you're like, I wonder if they got the, if they got the COVID on there, you know? You're like, maybe you stay in the water. But, um, but under normal circumstances, you know, it comes along, and, you know, and you're just thankful. They send down the little rope, they attach it to your little life jacket, and they start to pull you up. And you are just thankful, thankful, to be saved. You don't stop and say, hey, wait, before you pull me up, um, what, are y'all, what are y'all serving on, on, at dinner tonight? Um, are y'all's pillows, are y'all's pillows the soft pillows or are those old hard pillows? Because I don't know that I'm quite ready for this boat. I want to know the benefits of being on this boat because maybe I'll wait for another boat. No, you don't. You just, you just allow yourself to be rescued. But and so, and you will receive it. But guess what? Once you've been placed on that boat, it doesn't negate the fact that there are restaurants, there's soft pillows, there's showers, there's everything that you need on that boat. And it would be silly to go sit in the corner and eat cheese and crackers because you're just thankful just to not be bobbing along in the water anymore. Yes, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for that, but there are so many more benefits in it. So as we look at what it means to be in Christ, it is not mercenary for us to look at and see what the benefits are in Christ. And it's not an extra place of humility to say, you know what? I'm just thankful for salvation and I'm not going to bother God anymore. I believe it breaks his heart if we don't identify as his child and fully enjoy what it means to be a child of God. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. This is one of these things that the scriptures tell us to do. It's commanding us, don't forget his benefits. We praise the Lord and don't forget that he takes care of us. 
Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Praise the Lord, praise be to the Lord God, our, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Everything we need is in Christ. The old covenant reminds us not to forget his benefits. Paul writes to the believers in Ephesus and the New Testament writings that about to remember the benefits. We have to remember the benefits. And here's the thing that I think while we have to be goaded and prompted to remember his benefits is because in our immaturity, we'll have some disappointments, some distractions and some things that don't go our way. And we get focused on those things and we forget the benefits. All of a sudden we get frustrated and irritated because there's some struggle and we forget the benefits. Whenever I was about seven years old, somewhere in that range, um, we got my family loaded us up and we headed out to La Mesa, Texas to go and see something that had transpired on my great-grandfather's land, my peeper's land. Now, before we got in there, right before this, I got a brand new straw cowboy hat. Had a brand new cowboy hat. And I knew at seven years old, I looked good in that cowboy hat. I was rocking that cowboy hat. This was back in the urban cowboy days. I don't know if everybody is old enough to remember the old urban cowboy days, which for some reason, these cowboys wore designer stuff stitched on their rear and Italian boots and feathers in their hat and all sorts of stuff. But uh, there's the old uh, urban cowboy thing. And boy, everybody around in the around 1980-ish, um, whether they were a real cowboy or not, had some sort of cowboy gear. And so I had my, I had my straw hat. Well, where we're going to see is the fact that on my great-grandfather's farm, they had drilled for oil. And they had found oil on his, on his land outside of La Mesa, Texas. And they didn't just find some oil. They, the, what they drilled and hit, it was this high-pressure deal. And it was flowing hundreds of barrels a day of oil. And it had all this gas pressure behind it. And it just shot out. When they, they hit it, it just, it just erupted. And, well, we go to see it because the great-grandfather's land has, has oil, and we go to see it. Well, man, I'll tell you what, this was a long time ago. It would have had everybody freaking out, wanting to do all the hazmat cleanups, but there were just puddles of crude oil all over the, this farmland around this thing. So we go out, we get out at the location, and I have my brand-new straw cowboy hat on, and it's flat, uh, La Mesa farmland and the wind comes and blows my brand new cowboy hat off and it hits the ground and it rolls through the crude oil. Um, I don't, you can't clean crude oil off of a straw cowboy hat. It's just not happening. It just ruined my cowboy hat. And there in the middle of looking at this just absolute amazing place of provision, unknown treasure hidden in my great-grandfather's land, I had my own little place of loss and frustration, and I was like, I hate this old well. This old well is stupid. And for a long time, I did, because I, I did not 
in my immaturity, I focused on my own struggle, my own little place of loss, my own, not realizing that all of a sudden my great grandfather, and he wanted to, he could have bought me a hundred straw hats and that there was all the provision and everything I was griping about was well covered. But in my immaturity, in my, as a seven-year-old, all I could see was my loss. It's like, oh, I hate this. Oh, well, oh, wells are stupid. And so, and because I missed it, my own struggles took it off the benefits, made me miss the benefits. So many times I think we forget the benefits because we hit a place of struggle. We hit a place where things don't go the way we feel like they ought to go. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh God, where, where's this? Where's that? What's, is, this even, is there even a point to having a relationship with God anymore? Well, did we come and have a relationship with him so that we would not have any struggles anymore? Or do we have a relationship with him because he is our reward and the relationship is the reward? And guess what? Jesus promised in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart. He's overcome. So we're not surprised when there are struggles. We're not surprised when there's some problems and some bumps, but we take heart and we lean into him because in him we have everything we need. That struggle won't win. We have everything we need. We cannot forget. We can't forget the benefit. 2 Corinthians 1.18 says, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For, <clears throat> for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. He's saying it's not. This is okay. This is not okay. He's saying the message we preached is not a bunch of rules. Here's your do it. Here's your don't do it. He said that's not the message we preached. But we preach in him it has always been Yes, for no, how, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. No matter how many promises he's made. Look at the scriptures. Look at them. Find out however many they are. But whatever they are, whatever one you run across, they're yes in Christ. They are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. See, it says the scriptures have declared the amen. Now that sounds fun, like a little funny thing. We would Say, what does that even mean, amen? Amen simply means so be it. It means yes. It's not just yes. It's like yes. It's like super yes, strong yes, emphatic yes. It says whatever were the, the promises in him, they are that kind of a yes. Jesus is God's yes to the promises, and so we need to understand what we have. And, and we're just going to quickly look at it. But we could spend and probably should spend an entire series just looking at the benefits of what it means to be in Christ. But quickly, we're going to say that in Christ, we have the victory. And so much of a place of peace to know that we have the victory in Christ. We're not struggling for victory. The musical chairs is trying to find a victory. But in Christ, we already have 
the victory. Matthew 12, 18 says, here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations and he will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. That means something that's already dented is he's not gonna say, okay, well, now you, you know, we're, we're just gonna be done with you. You've already got a little bit of a problem. I'm just gonna go ahead and snap you. It says, no, a bruised reed he's not gonna break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. It's like, well, you don't really even have a fire. You have a little barely little glowing ember. Just forget you, I'll move on to somebody else who's on fire for me. It says, no, if, if whatever's there, he's not gonna snuff it out. He's gonna take care of it and, and help move it forward and will not snuff it out till he leads justice to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. And here Matthew is, is quoting Isaiah 42 He's quoting a messianic psalm, reminding his readers that this is something that has been on God's heart for centuries and centuries and centuries, and it's come together in Christ, that we have the victory. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him leads us in triumphal procession. First John 5, uh, verse four says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that's overcome the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. That is our point of faith, is believing that God was in Christ having done it. That moment earlier in the service today where we, where we took communion, where we remembered the, the body and the blood that was spilled, we talk about resting in that, that is what it means to live in the victory, is to rest in what Christ has already done. No matter what the winds and the storm do, we rest in the fact that he has already done it. Then in Christ, we have the freedom from working for salvation. We have the freedom from working for it. Praise God, he's given us the victory. And then we can get caught up in this place where we feel like we have to earn things with God all the time. But in Christ, it's already been done. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich, in mercy. It's nice to know that God is rich, but thankfully God is rich in mercy. A lot of us can look back on the last few days and go, God, I'm glad you are rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy and made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, for it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness in us to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. We have been freed from having to do it. 
You're like, well, preacher, man, I, I tuned in to this, <clears throat> to this church service because I thought it was going to make God happy. In fact, I just gave online because I thought it was going to make God happy. You mean I didn't have to tune in and I didn't have to give? I want my money back. Well, guess what? If you did it to try to make God happy, we'll give you your money back. And so, because that's not what this is about. We are free to live. We are free to actually be the people God created us to be. Now, let's actually put a little bit of thought into this thing that if I had to do this to make God happy, that if you could make God happy, then all of a sudden, then that puts you in a place. If you can make God do something, that puts you in the place of actually being God. As soon as you feel like you're the one pulling God's marionette strings, that all of a sudden you doing all your religious stuff makes God do this, or you being bad makes God do this, then actually you're the one who's be, who's Who's being God? If you can make God, that makes you God. And we can't make God. He's, one, he's the one who's made us. In fact, the scripture said that he had made us alive in Christ. See, that is why we have to understand that our calling is not to go and to do, to please God. Our calling is to sit in the place he's provided for us and rest in him. Everything comes from that. Everything comes from a place of resting in him. And we have to recognize, recognize that he has done it. Uh, years ago, we were cleaning out the, our garage and we were getting ready for a garage sale and uh, having to go through everything. Of course, garages tend to be dusty, nasty little places. And so we've got the whole family. Uh, Weston was a little guy. And um, so he's helping him move boxes around and go through some stuff. And as he's doing that, he kicks up some dust and kicks up the dust and it makes him sneeze. Well, the rest of us are all busy. We're focused. We're doing our thing. We're getting ready for a garage sale. And he sneezes and he waits. And then all of a sudden, you hear this little voice from Weston go, bless me. And they're like, oh, sorry, Weston. Bless you, buddy. Bless you, buddy. And so, but there are times where we have to recognize that whether anybody else around us is conscious of God's blessings, there are times we have to do it on our own. We have to grab a hold of it. And even though if nobody else around is, is speaking blessing into our life, if we don't grab a hold of the truth on our own, then we'll be in our moment waiting for somebody else to move on our behalf when we need to grab a hold of the truth that God has blessed me and whether anybody else around me recognizes it, I'm gonna recognize it. I'm gonna grab a hold of it. I'm gonna lean into it. And then sure enough, as soon as he did it, then all of us begin to echo, oh, Weston, bless you, bless you, bless you. But he grabbed a hold of it himself. And we have to do that. We have to get a hold of it and see it, whether anybody else around us sees it or not. See, in Christ, we, because we don't have to do something to make God pleased with us, in Christ, we're actually free to do good works. That's what actually frees us. 
Because the truth is, is you can't really, you're not really loving somebody if you're trying to get them to love you back. You are trying to harvest something out of them. You're trying to manipulate their emotions. You're trying to do all of these different things. You, you make their favorite meal either because you know they're going to enjoy it and them enjoying it brings you joy. That's love. Or you make their favorite meal so that they'll think you're wonderful. No, that's you wanting something for yourself. That all of a sudden you took this act of servitude and you turned it back on yourself. See, all religion takes good works and exploits it and turns it back on ourselves only in Christ because we don't have to do good works to make God pleased with us. Can our good works actually be good for somebody that's not us? Because we already have everything we need in Christ. We don't have to go add to it. We don't have to go out there and, and try to build up some, some platform of blessing for ourselves. We're, we live in a place of blessing. So now we can simply be blessers. Not trying to get something for ourselves. We're actually liberated to do good works. Ephesians chapter 2 continues with verse 10. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The verse is right before. It says, we are saved by grace, not of works. But guess what? We were created to do good works. Why? Just for good. Just for good. Not to undo something bad we had done. Not to make God happy with us. But just for good. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision. That had done by the body by hands of men. Remember that at that time. Time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. We've been brought near. It's already been accomplished. And now we can go around and love and care and share and do all of that because we have everything we need in Christ. Everything we need in Christ. And the last thing we want to hit on today is this idea that in Christ we have peace. And I tell you what, that all of a sudden as we walk through an event like this, that I believe is the marker that ought to be showing up in believers all over the place. Is that no matter what's going on or how many new cases or if there's not any new cases or what's going on. No matter what's going on around us. We understand that we're different because we have everything we have in Christ. And there's this place that there's peace on us no matter the storm. Whether it begins to die down or it fires back up again. We are ones who have peace because of what has been done for us in Christ. That should be a marker of believers everywhere in the rest of the world. Say, how can you, how can you be so relaxed in this? How can you do it? Because I know what's been done for me. That is how I can be at, at peace. That doesn't mean we throw caution to the wind. It doesn't mean we, that we 
are, are goofy and we are, are hurtful and, and cause other people to be upset because we don't go in proper compliance with what our state governments and local governments are asking us to do. But we don't do them because we're somehow afraid that if we don't, we're going to get some sort of mess. No, we rest in a place of who Christ is and what he's done. He is our peace. Philippians Chapter four, verse seven, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Every time your heart and your mind begins to get off, come back to say, God, I'm just, I know, I know, I know that you are, you are my peace. And you lean into his peace and you let that begin to guard your heart and mind. So many times we wanna get our mind in order and having some sort of understanding to hope that brings peace. But man, I tell you, it doesn't. It doesn't. Anybody who's ever looked up WebMD trying to understand what they were battling, it never brought them peace. Never did. But looking at the scriptures of what's been done on your behalf, that will bring you peace. Those different things. We have to look at him. See, Psalms 103 reminds us to not forget his benefits. So we need to make sure, and we can do that from a place of humility, of recognizing, God, I am so thankful of what Jesus has done, and I wanna walk in the fullness of that. I wanna enjoy every blessing you have ever given me. And our bottom line today is Jesus died to get you the benefit. Jesus died to get you the benefit. So you might as well live in it. You might as well enjoy it. You might as well learn about it. You might as well step into it. Because we don't have to be caught up over here trying to figure this out on our own. We can just come over here and rest in him. And that, that is what this moment is about. That's what this moment is about. That's what every day in life is about, is resting in him, trusting in him, knowing that he is enough. So now I want to give you an opportunity to place your faith in Christ, that maybe, maybe today it finally dawned on you that you've been going through this religious motions for years, maybe, trying to make God happy with you. And today you see You've been trying to be God to God. And you see that that's not the way this goes. You can't try to make him happy that God was in Christ reconciling you to himself. He's made you alive in Christ and you just have to receive it. So if you want to say yes to that right now, I want to give you the opportunity to do so. And just take these words. I'm going to loan them to you. Just make them your own. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that in Jesus, I'm now alive. That my sin is dealt with. My shame is gone. I am fully yours. And you are fully mine. I am your child. And with that comes so many benefits. Lord, you're the reward I'm searching for. But I know you're also a rewarder. So I just say, Lord, I want all of you. And I give you all of me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.